We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South, this is the Run ATL Podcast. I am your guest host, Dave D2 Martinez. I am going it alone for this segment as Mike and our guests will be the subjects in this week's podcast. On our last episode, we teased that there would be an announcement. And if you subscribe to our newsletter, you already know. However, if you don't know, here it is. We are now adding bikes to our inventory. Specifically, we're doing this at our Brookhaven location. We have partnered with Giant Bicycles, the largest bike manufacturer in the world, as they not only produce bikes for themselves, but for other brands as well, including brands like Trek and Specialized, as well as others. So this episode, I interview our guests, Karen Malagorski and Chad Terry from Bikes Plus. They're based in Memphis, Tennessee, and there are partners in this new venture. And of course, we'll have our owner, Mike Cosentino. I'll get all the details about this new venture right after this break. At Big Peach Running Company, we know that not everyone identifies themselves as a runner. Running isn't about a start or finish line. It's not about time or pace. It's freedom. It's a break. It's time for yourself. We take pride in listening to your needs. We make sure you get the right shoes so you can get back to enjoying your time. Big Peach Running Company has been voted as one of the best running stores in America by people like you. Visit us at any of our seven Metro Atlanta area locations or visit us at bigpeachrunningco.com. Welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. And as we mentioned at the top of our broadcast, Big Peach will now be selling bikes at our town Brookhaven location. And to some, that may seem like a surprise. And whether it is or not, many are probably asking why or why now. We'll dive down in all those details, but first, let's get to know our new partners in this exciting venture, and we'll start off with Karen Malagorski. Karen, welcome to the Run ATL Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to, uh, to, to meet you. I know we haven't met in person. We're still doing things sort of virtually because obviously you're in Memphis. We're here in Atlanta, and so we're going to be doing a lot of things, I think, virtually, but I do look forward to when you visit us here sometime down the road. So, Karen, you know, obviously you've been in cycling for a while, but I want to kind of know kind of what was your background, how you got into cycling, and more specifically, how you got into the retail side of cycling. Um, cycling, uh, I got into that. Actually, uh, my father started the business. Uh, he wanted something when he retired from the Navy and uh, wanted it. He was always very physically active. I've always been very active in school sports and a lot of different things, so he wanted to do something outdoorsy and he got the opportunity to start the bike shop, um, in, in Millington, Tennessee, many, many moons ago. And then, uh, fast forward, I went to college, um, and he had asked me down the road if I might want to get involved with family business. And, uh, so I finished college, did uh, work for a little while and, uh, ended up wanting to, I saw the potential in the Memphis area. Uh, I liked outdoor stuff. And got involved. It uh, started in '96, and I've uh, been doing it ever since. I don't know if you want me to tell the kind of move forward all the way up to Chad. Well, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, and, and let me follow up. I mean, it, so all this time you've been doing it more—is it been more as a as a recreation? Was there any competitive type of racing that you did as, as a cyclist? Um, actually, I did a lot of competitive sports. 
but until I got and started dabbling in uh, the bike industry and joining forces with my dad, I, I really found it super fun because I had always done team sports. And when I got into cycling, uh, I really grabbed onto it. I started mountain bike racing, uh, enjoyed the heck out of that, loved being in the woods. And that's kind of what got me really inspired. Uh, and so that's what, uh, so that passion for competitiveness and that passion for being outdoors and being on my bike uh, really, really grabbed me. And I wanted to share that joy and move forward and getting into retail. I, I realized I wasn't half bad at selling as well <laughs> and kind of fine tuning my skills there. So uh, that's kind of, uh, it had the best of all worlds getting involved. So for, so for how many years were you then as far as, cause when did you take over your business, uh, the business from your dad? Um, actually when Chad and I started chatting, my dad was ready to retire and, uh, a friend of ours kind of put us together that we did business with, uh, Chad and I were healthy competitors. So he got out probably about five or so years ago, Chad, I'm thinking, um, and, uh, Chad and I got together, and so about four years ago, four or five years ago, he got out, and he and I joined forces because I thought two heads were better than one, and we, we kind of discovered that we were really good for each other. It's a good business marriage, and he's very good financially, and I feel like I'm pretty good sales and operational, uh, and we both offer something on the table that that really, really working together has has done well for both of us and, and our team. Very cool. So, you know, Karen's mentioning Chad Terry, who is our other guest. Um, you know, obviously she, Karen mentioned, you know, her, her business partner, Chad Terry, um, together, they are the proud owners of bike plus. And it's one of the interesting stories is that as Karen mentioned, um, the, um, they were competitors and most of the times you don't see competitors joining forces, which is a unique story. You'll see someone buy someone else out or maybe someone run a competitor out of business, you know, but here they join forces. So together, they're the proud owners of Bikes Plus. They have three full service shops uh, in the Memphis, Tennessee area. Um, so, Chad, why don't you pick up the story? Tell us a little bit, you know, kind of uh, about yourself, how you got into cycling and, and the retail side of things and then how, you know, the whole idea of Bikes Plus came together. Yeah, th thank you for having having us. I uh, glad glad here. Um, I, I kind of um, started out, you know, with a passion for riding my bike, um, like a lot of kids did. You know, I grew up in uh, the '80s, and we were able to just ride our bikes and be home when the streetlights came on. You know, so uh, I have an older brother that's two years older than me, and uh, we just spent so much time on our bikes as as kids. <clears throat> And uh, that grew into um, actually a love of BMX bikes. And so my brother and I actually started racing BMX bikes in the Memphis area. Um, my dad was, uh, you know, super involved in that, uh, took us to the races, um, was really supportive of what we wanted to do. Um, and, and my dad was an architect. He's retired now, but he was an, he was an architect, but he always had a love for retail. Um, it was just a passion of his from in college when he worked, um, at a radio shack. And so there was a family that had started bike world 
and uh, they were moving and needed to sell the business. And so uh, my dad purchased it as a side business, just as a passion for him for retail, but also because my brother and I were really into riding and racing BMX bikes. So that was where my brother and I worked um, through middle school and high school. That was our, that was our job, um, part-time job, uh, was being around the bike shop. Fast forward, uh, went, went to the University of Tennessee, uh, followed my brother there, and uh, he actually worked at a bike shop there in Knoxville that then I came along board and worked at that same bike shop in Knoxville. So we never really got out of it, even going to uh, the University of Tennessee. Um, I, you graduated, he went on to do other things. I moved back to Memphis and went to the University of Memphis to get uh, my MBA. And at the time, my dad still owned the business. He always had someone run it for him. Uh, and so I, there was some changeover happening and I decided I wanted to run the store and go to grad school at night. Um, and through that process, um, kind of like what Karen had mentioned, just saw the potential that was there uh, in, in that period of time, got married, my wife was pregnant, uh, the, the business was doing well, so we decided to buy that business from my dad. Um, and that was in, I had moved back in uh, the fall of 99. Um, so that was almost you know 21 years ago at this point. Um, and so fast forward to when Karen was discussing our merger, uh, you know, kind of had caught wind that her father was ready to retire through a mutual friend. Um, it was a good opportunity to just kind of have a conversation with Karen. And we went to lunch and, and, uh, kind of, kind of brought up the idea. And I think her, her jaw sort of dropped <laughs> a little bit to the floor of like, okay, I don't necessarily know if I was expecting this, but, uh, let, let's chew on it and see what, see what comes of it. And, uh, ended up, it's just been a, a, a great merger that allowed us to both to have our strengths, come out and really grow our vision of what we wanted to see that came to come of bikes plus. Well, I mean, those are cool stories. I mean, the, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious that cycling is in your DNA. I mean, both of you from your dad's, you know, starting the business and you guys riding at an early age and, and even competing at different levels. Um, that's pretty cool. That, and so it's only natural that I think, you know, that you guys are now together and you're, you know, have this thriving uh, business because, you know, one of the things that I looked up um, when doing my research is that, you know, Bikes Plus has the distinction of being named one of America's best bike shops for nine consecutive years by the National Bicycle Dealer Association. So what does that take to, to earn that? What is it that you guys do that makes that special? Because that's something, obviously, you know, as we're getting in this business, we want to learn from you guys. You guys are the experts. We want to be able to take what you have done and, and you know, meet that level of expectation, of distinction, and be able to 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 grow our business the same way that you guys have. Well, the uh, answer, and I guess the question of, I guess what it takes. Uh, well, one, we've got to apply for it, right? And uh, uh, so, what I really enjoyed about applying for this is it held level of accountability. It, it made us questions of ourselves: Are we doing the things that they're asking about? Being involved with the community processes, training your employees, um, 
Secret Shoppers, which is one I really love. It makes me so nervous, but I love it. And we have them come in and, and basically grade every aspect uh, of what we're doing. And we learn from that. Uh, so being involved with the community uh, at, over the years, sometimes it's the vendors that vote, help vote too. customers can vote this year, which is a new thing. Uh, you fill out a long application uh, with n- numerous questions about nationally, locally, community. What do you do in in your community? Uh, do you have clinics? Do you offer, you know, are you diverse? Uh, you know, so many things that fall in that. And it continually evolves. And what's really cool is the president of NBDA that does this national uh, America's Best Bike Shop. Generally, there's about 200-ish to 300 maybe that make it. Um, the president is a female and which is really cool. And that's new for this year. Uh, and she's really taking things off and, and asking more about women in the, in the industry and in retail and getting women into cycling, which I know I branched off a little on that, but, uh, uh, but the NBDA thing, uh, applying for the America's best is, uh, each year I, I get more nervous cause I'm like, Oh my goodness, are we going to make it this year? We're going to make it this year. Uh, but, uh, we try really hard and we try to, uh, make sure our staff knows and understands and, 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 and knows what, cause we, we go over the sh- secret shopper every, every year and what we did well in and maybe what we could have done better in. So, well, that, yeah, that sounds very similar to what we do with the, um, you know, on the run side, because we've, uh, have also had that distinction of being named one of the, uh, 50 or one of the best, uh, running stores in the, in the, in the, in the U S. Um, so, and, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the, the women in cycling and we'll get to that, but at this point, I, I want to circle back because we do have our third guest, you know, we don't want to leave him out of the conversation. He's none other than our chief running officer, Mike Cosentino. And now my, you know, my first question is, will you also now be known as our chief cycling officer? Man, there would have to be a lot of lifestyle change D2 for that to be the case. But I slowly but steadily will commit to get closer to that. But I'm still a runner at heart. And yet I think you heard already with Karen and Chad why we would partner with such a great duo and obviously a very well-established and super uh, organization in its own right. But I've got a lot of miles to cover on a bike before I could call myself chief. <laughs> well, so, and I mean, I know that, you know, your backstory is you actually started cycling uh, before you were a runner, right? I mean, you picked up running for a different reason. That, that's exactly right. And so to some degree, and that's one of the reasons I'm just so enthusiastic about this. When I moved to Atlanta back in 1994, it was as a cyclist. I did compete to some degree. I spent a lot of my discretionary time and income at one point in my life preceding my arrival here in Atlanta, being a cyclist and doing what cyclists or serious cyclists do. And obviously had things just become part of my own story that transitioned me from that cyclist committed as I was to an incredibly enthusiastic runner. And I just have not had reason to check myself now 25 plus years later to see where I am in my own relationship with cycling. And this for sure will become the impetus, the catalyst to doing just that. So is it fair to say, based on what I know about you and a little bit that we've talked about uh, cycling, was the last time you were on your bike, was that the, your, your Florida Ironman after the 112 miles <laughs> down in Panama so, City? 
Not entirely. It's the last time that I've been on a bike with some level of seriousness because I have done a decent amount of Beltline riding on just a hybrid bike. I have done a little bit of what I would say is low grade mountain bike riding because I don't have the technical skills that you and everybody else on this call has, but it's not been the last mile I've covered there in Panama city, but it's the last time I've done it with any level of seriousness. I need Chad and Karen to change that for me since uh, I feel like if I ask you to do so, we'll just end up going on long rides that become conversations about the business. Like anytime we go on a run. I, th I think we can, we can arrange that. But I, like I, I said, you know, uh, for me, I think, uh, you know, with the belt line with so many breweries, I think, uh, you know, we just do a you know, ride to a brewery and just keep hopping along the belt line. So, I well, I love the fact that we're having this conversation because for all those who think that's the reason that we're doing this, they can see there is legitimate expertise in and around cycling. And this isn't just a glorified belt line ride to breweries. That is the, primary driver of this because it is not let me set the record straight uh, although this this uh partnership this friendship started over bikes beer and brisket down in austin texas so maybe there is something to that that is true and if you remember chad the bike ride that day actually got canceled yep so the beer and the brisket was all that was left. And that was when the kind of the ideation and the friendship and just the kind of visioning about the possibilities of, of two, you know, community minded and obviously very enthusiastic, you know, business entities coming together. And we didn't even get to ride that day. That's overdue for us. Yep. Yep. There was a little bit of line dancing involved too. That was one Karen side of things. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I forgot about that. That's probably for another podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> see the areas of expertise that this team has is unbelievable. Karen on her own on the line dancing, but still a very wide range. Well, I think a uh, video of Mike line dancing is something that we definitely need to see. Doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that, you know, it, it's, you know, this is the one of the cool things is that, you know, uh, many people will probably see cyclists as being very serious and just, you know, cause they ref, they, they picture the tour de France, you know, specifically, I think when you talk about cycling and this conversation right here just kind of shows you that it's not all that serious. It's, it's recreational. It's fun. It's not that intimidating. You can go out and, and have a good time and, and, uh, kind of see the city. But, you know, at this point, the question then I think is, you know, um, you know, why is Big Peach Running Company now Big Peach Ride and Run? And I know that this is not something that was just decided, you know, at, at the beginning of the year. I know that this goes back a, a little bit. Mike, why don't you take us back and tell our listeners how this whole idea of selling bikes came about? So really a couple of things. And, you know, we talk about our mission and in full transparency. In fact, D2, you put this in a recent newsletter. And I think it's important to start here. We've said for the entirety of our existence to grow, to support, to enhance a pedestrian active lifestyle in and around Atlanta. And that's been our mission literally since before the doors in our first store opened in 2004. And as we've walked through the years as we've run through the possibilities in our business we've continued to believe that if that happens and now we believe we have enough history to say when that happens everything else will take care of itself you know our business will be fine our team will consistently improve and have the good fortune of serving more yes we'll maybe add doors in terms of where we have the business located and we'll add team members and positions 
as we have matured this business, we've recognized that the Atlanta market, and I think very consistent with domestic markets everywhere, perhaps even globally, the variety of pursuits people have for their fitness routines, for their enjoyment, for the sake of relationships and building meaningful moments with people who they care about or want to get to know better, that variety is beyond just that cherished pedestrian active lifestyle. And of course, it very much includes cycling. D2, you just said it, right? It does not have to be Ironman for people to enjoy being on a bike. Nobody knows that better, of course, than Karen and Chad. But it is true. We see that. We see that in Atlanta, in neighborhoods. We see it near schools. Certainly, we see it in places like the Beltline or the great work the PATH Foundation has done. And when we see that, we want to do the same type of thing. We want to grow. We want to support. We want to enhance that lifestyle. But until we make an obvious investment in team, in inventory, in real estate, we cannot do it to the degree we believe we're capable. The part that, of course, we were missing, very admittedly, was the expertise. We have the skill set on how to manage inventory in and around that pedestrian active lifestyle. We know what world-class guest services look like around fitting for athletic footwear and how to complement that footwear with relevant accessories, depending on how you're going to use the footwear you're thinking about purchasing. We can admit we did not have that. In addition, we know we've stated on this podcast, our number one core value, our best business asset is our team. Internally, we did not have the ability to train that best business asset in a way that would be consistent with the way we've always done it around run, walk, and those pedestrian active activities. Bikes Plus changes all of that. We now have the expertise necessary for procurement and having not just the right inventory, but the best inventory. A joint venture with giant bicycles that Bikes Plus has led us into and will lead us closer to every single moment makes that come together and become a real skill set for us now so that we have the bikes that are the best for those who we hope we have the opportunity to serve. And now with Chad and Karen taking over the training of our team, whether it is someone we may hire tomorrow or someone who's been with us for five, 10 plus years, now that same world-class service people have come to expect from Big Peach is the same on the ride side. So to me, that is the origin story of it. There is a reason for us to live out our mission bigger every single day. And this gives us an opportunity to say, we challenge ourselves to do just that. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, I, I love that because it, it speaks to who we are and, and to our DNA and, um, and just to our city. I mean, we've seen a growth in cycling here in, in Atlanta. And I think it feels, uh, you know, natural for us now to go this. And of course, I'm part of this organization. So for me, it seems sort of obvious. Um, and I also know a little bit of the, of the background is, is that, you know, this is not something that was just decided kind of spur of the moment, you know, or we, something we decided to just this year. It's been probably over two years in the making. Am I correct? It has been it was actually 2018, certainly global pandemics and just, you know, natural shifts in where we have to prioritize our business has created a much longer delay than what we could have ever anticipated. And yet at the same time, I think we're where we really need to be. Also speaking very transparently, we were looking at a standalone 
location. We were looking at a location that was going to come out of the ground as ride and run. We have certain stores specifically in town Brookhaven. Also, I would say this is true in our Midtown store where we have maybe what even might be an excessive amount of space. When we put those arrangements together, real estate was much different and what we could acquire a lease for was different than it is today or in recent history. So we picked up more square footage to be able to accommodate guests, to be able to fit them in more generous amounts of space. And as we've walked into 2020, 2021, we find that there are better ways to purpose that extra space. And now in town Brookhaven, we're going to find out if that is true. In fact, I believe we will prove that there are better ways to use a 4,000 plus square foot location, not just to showcase what we can do, but ultimately to serve our guests and the community in a way that we could not unless we decided to use this space in a more purposeful manner. So you're right. It's It's been quite a, an adventure, D2, and yet the iteration where we are now, I think, is exactly where we need to be, even though it has been a winding journey that has taken a lot longer than you or me in all of our discussions would have ever thought it would have. So you've, you, you, we've always said, you know, Tom Brookhaven is a location where we will, you know, launch this concept, you know, um, Big Peach Ride and Run. Um, it is currently going through some renovations. We're clearing out floor space uh, to actually showcase and sell bikes. What is the timeline that we can see, you know, that we can tell people that, you know, will be fully operational on the ride side? Currently, our run side is open, and we are. it's not like the store is closed down, so please don't feel like, you know, you can't go to that location. It is operational. There is a little bit of dust and construction going on, but, you know, when can we expect or when can people expect to go in, you know, come in and visit us and, and see bikes on the, on the showroom floor and uh, purchase a bike? Well, along with you, you know, Karen, Chad, and I have kind of locked arms. And with our commitment to Giant Bicycles USA, we've said the last weekend in January, I'm sorry, in January, in July, will be a grand reopening at Town Brookhaven. It will be the official introduction of Big Peach Ride and Run. Now, I think we all have some optimism that we could do a soft opening or perhaps be ready before that, maybe even before the AJC Peachtree Road Race and all of our respective and collective July 4th celebrations. But what I would go on record as saying is, Chad, Karen, and the two of us, G2, will look older than necessary if we're not ready by the end of July. I've recently shaved, so I know I've trimmed and looked 20 years younger than, I, than, than previously. So anyone that has seen me with, the, with a beard uh, and I was looking kind of, uh, you know, hazard, you know, you know grizzly and, and, and older, I've, I've shaved, so I'm back to my boyish looks. I, I loved the beard. I'm already on record on this broadcast of saying that if we are not open by the end of July, I will have to shave because it's the only thing that will combat how old I probably look when Giant shows up arrives in town all the way from California and we tell them we're not yet ready. I'm going to have to get the razor out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, you know, something Karen mentioned, I want to get back to, uh, because it's something that, you know, um, you know, in running, there is, uh, the demographics tend to skew more towards women participating in the sport as a cyclist. You know, I've noticed that there are more men on bikes, you know, Karen, am I off in my observation, you know, and, and if not, what is it that we can do to welcome more women into this, uh, you know, activity? Um, well, I do agree with you on that. 
it, uh, it was something that I noticed uh, very early on. Uh, I remember I went to a first uh, bike distributor show in Minnesota many, many moons ago, 20 plus years ago. And I remember I was one of three females there on, and a ton, a ton of people. And as things, as I've you know been in the industry, I've seen how it's grown, how they try to get more females in the industry, uh, working in the industry. That's That was my thing is you don't see quite as many women working in the industry. Uh, we are seeing more and more women get involved in the sports, uh, especially like probably triathlons and such. There's a that equation, not equation, but it's there's a lot of men and a lot of women in that. Uh, bike racing, uh, road racing, stuff like that. You, you're not seeing quite as many females in there. Uh, Ever since I came on board, it was also one of my missions to make sure that women feel feel welcome when they come in the store. They're not overwhelmed. Uh, some women like to deal with women when they're when they're at, at a loc- at a store. Uh, so seeing that evolve and get better, but it still needs a lot of improvement in my opinion. Uh, and I will always be there to try to make sure that happens. I think we've got a staff that's very welcoming in all our locations. And, uh, and what I thought was a very big thing here recently was the president of NBDA, National uh, Bike Dealer Association, is female. And she is, like, kicking it off hard to try to get, you know, have these webinars, these experts coming on board, how we can get more women in cycling nationally. So uh, it's improving, and it needs more improvement, but uh, it's a constant work in progress. And it's good to see more women out there. We're having a, a female clinic, a flat changing clinic this Friday. Uh, finally able to have some clinics because um, of the COVID lifting uh, a little bit more. So uh, we're super excited about that. Well, we'll certainly look uh, you know, towards you and, and ask you for any advice because I do think that's something that is important to getting you know, more women in a cycling. Um, I, the one thing that I remember, I don't know if it was last year or a couple of years ago, where I did see discussion regarding representation of women in imagery and things where, you know, bike companies were specifically, you know, using, you know, almost exclusively male, you know, in their cycling products and their cycling marketing material. Um, and so that's something that I'm very, as director of marketing, very conscious about is, you know, showing representation of gender and just diverse uh, representation. So, um, and that's one of those things where I think, you know, like Giant has, you know, uh, brands like Live, you know, that's specifically and exclusively for women. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, that brand, you know, because uh, it's one of the brands, it's under Giant, but it is one of the brands that we will be carrying at our uh, Ride and Run. Yes, definitely. Um, actually, I think that was originally launched prior to JT being head of Giant, Elise was, and she's now chief... I don't think it's financial officer. Um, it might be financial officer of um, a snowboard company, Burton. And uh, she left from there. But she, as a female general manager of Giant, really launched off and saw uh, uh, the women's brand, just having a brand in and of itself. And so she really kind of launched that out and super, super excited about that. And uh, she kind of used, I think, the surfing of some of the surfing brands and they have roxy as the surfing brand for women and uh the other brand i forget for the guys and she kind of used that model to go forward with that and uh, i was super impressed with that 
you know, she also, um, she also did CrossFit when we'd go up there. Uh, she, she'd known me by name, which I thought that's really cool. Uh, and, uh, but us, us women kind of stuck together a little bit on some of those rides when we'd go to the, the, the links there. And, uh, but anyway, um, the live brand came about and what's, what was really nice about it is they didn't go all pinky and super girly, uh, flowery kind of stuff. It was from, the kids' bikes all the way up to the racing mountain bikes. And, you know, they had 10, 12 grand bikes for women, not just up to a thousand. And women don't necessarily spend money on bikes, but they do. So it was kind of neat. They really dove into it. And the color schemes that they had on there are uh, with a flair, a feminine flair about it, but they weren't like super girly either. Uh, so Live is a, a great brand. I'm a little biased on my mountain bike and my road bike or that. Uh, love it uh it's it's a it's a it's a very good brand with a good story in my opinion and unlike any other manufacturer out there bikes bicycle manufacturer for the most part it is its own brand for women uh, made by women engineered by women so it's it's got a cool story yeah i mean it is a cool story because i know that for a while there in the cycling industry there were uh, other brands that were making uh female specific frames but no one started a separate brand. And most of the, these other brands, these major brands, have sort of kind of abandoned the female-specific. I think they may have some female-specific, like saddles and things like that, but they've, they, they've sort of kind of abandoned the, that idea, which you know, I'm not really sure why at some point they were very heavily focused and maybe it was more of a marketing ploy as opposed to truly being committed to um, servicing you know, that gender. Well, I think it may be a mixture of both. And what's really interesting, and this may sound uh, like I'm contradicting myself, uh, but I was on a women's uh, webinar about getting women in the cycling industry uh, with NBDA last week. And they were talking about some of the women in the industry um, all over the United States. And, and uh, I, I posed that question, why, why does Trek not have that anymore? Um, and some of the women said that actually some of these women that race and that are really into it and get women into cycling, they were saying too, the, not, not all women, and this is true, not all women fit on a women's specific bike. It's generally catered towards a longer, longer leg, shorter torso, shorter reach. Uh, and not all women fall in that. So, but I do think having a women's specific brand kind of brings a comfort level to people who are newer into it or want to also, you know, stick with that brand because it's engineered by women. It's something made for us, you know, by us kind of thing. So I think that is neat, needed, but I understand why some of the other manufacturers may have not embraced that. And it might be a combination of convenience as well uh, on some level. So that's kind of my take on that and the little spinoff of, of comments <laughs> well uh, you know i mean you sort of kind of uh you know said something which you know applies to us also in, in run it's that you know it comes down to fit fit is what's important you know um i do think it's unique uh that there is a, a brand like live uh i think it's one of those things that because there is no other female specific i think that makes it unique and it and it like you said sort of kind of allows that brand to kind of stand out towards women a little bit more makes it more approachable. Um, so that's, that's cool. Um, you also mentioned something about the, the pandemic and, you know, Chad or Karen, you either, you could answer this question, but you know, 
it's no secret that there was a bit of a cycling boom, um, you know, during the pandemic. And it's one of the things you mentioned, you know, and things are sort of kind of opening up, but there was also some challenges there, right? I mean, there was, you know, bike shortages and even parts. You know, what was it like running a business, you know, under those type of conditions? Chad, if you want to go ahead and take that, I've been talking a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, there was definitely uh, a, a lot of challenges there um, from the very beginning when, you know, lot, like a lot of other uh, businesses, we were not quite sure what was going to come from the pandemic. Um, so, you know, as far as Bikes Plus was concerned, is we, we had to have a game plan that we were able to change and uh and adapt to what conditions were coming to us on a daily and weekly basis when the pandemic first began uh, through initiatives from uh, the federal government or our local health departments. Um, so uh, it was obviously a, a huge boom. Um, very, very fortunate. Um, I thought it, it also came at the right time that allowed people to kind of slow down and see what was important to them and spending time uh, on their health and spending time with their families um, was huge. And um, we were just, I guess, excited and fortunate and appreciative that we could be part of that. I mean, Karen and I spoke on that so many times throughout of last year that we got to actually be part of that and really um, be part of showing people how much cycling can add to your life, to your lifestyle, to your health, to your mental well-being. Um, so now fast forward, uh, we, we have a lot more challenges. Um, there's a lot of challenges in um, the supply chain. There is still huge demand, um, and I guess this is, for us, a big plug to Giant. I mean, they've really supported us and backed us, and um, I think it's safe to say that without their support, we could not be doing this at this time. There's absolutely no way without their support that we could open up town, you know, Brookhaven location uh, at this time with, uh, with, with ride. And so, um, we're going to continue to have challenges, uh, but we're also in a position to where we can succeed, uh, coming out of the gate in, uh, you know, the Atlanta market. So, well, I mean, that's one of those things that a lot of people may not realize is that giant is, I believe the world's largest bike manufacturer. I mean, they, they manufacture bikes for a lot of the other brands. So they're the global leader in that bike manufacturing process. So, you know, having access to those bikes and that inventory is going to really help, you know, those that, uh, you know, I guess carry giant bikes. Um, and, you know, for us, we're lucky. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, for us, I mean, right now, we don't expect any supply chain type issues at our Tom Brookhaven location as we open up. We'll have a full range of inventory. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. In fact, I just looked today. You guys are getting some, oh, man, <laughs> some nice bikes. So, some, 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 some great bikes heading to the Atlanta market that uh, we, we'd love to see in the Memphis market. I know. Right? I was so, like, jealous. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yes, we are going to have a, uh, a, a, a full line of bikes uh, uh, when, when this soft to at least the end of July grand reopening begins. So we are very excited and very fortunate uh, that there are actually bikes on the ground uh, in town Brookhaven. So, 
Man, so the, for someone like me who's a fan of bikes, who just loves just bike design and just the, just the materials and all that, and I just think bikes are, you know, especially road bikes are just like, they're just, in some instances, they're works of art. And, and with the materials that they're using and the way they've been designed, that to me, I'm like going, I'm looking at my credit card, and, yeah, I'm going, all right, let's just throw that away. <laughs> let's just put that away. Let's lock it up. Because uh, I, I can, I, I'm definitely one of those that starts kind of lusting after bikes. Bikes, I, yeah, if there's, if I, I definitely have my list of bike porn that uh, that I look at. Um, and yeah, we, we, we still love, we still love looking at the bikes and, and uh, can't wait to ride them. And uh, yeah, you, you talk about bikes. I mean, the TCR from Bike Radar just got uh, named Super Bike of the Year. So um Oh yeah. R- really, really cool. So. Well, and D2, I'll mention this, you know, you know, you're, you're not alone. You may have some skills and a, a background that may be a little bit more weighty or lofty than, than others, but you know, perhaps a, a dirty secret that we're ready to disclose at big peach is we have a solid cadre, a real depth of interest in cycling. My admission that it's been far less than when I moved here to Atlanta and that the miles compared to run are almost, if you round it up to the highest number, would still be zero. But that's not true in our organization. There are a lot of people who are amped up about this because they feel the way you do. And the training that Chad and Karen is overseeing and the team that our guests have come to get to know and the expertise they deliver on the run side, it's not just, well, we have to do it. We've got a team that is absolutely amped about now being able to share their own enthusiasm and passion for ride with the same people they've been serving with run or people they maybe haven't seen inside Tom Brookhaven before. And they can kind of do what feels good to them. And that is disclose that, hey, guess what? I'm actually a cyclist first, or if I look at my weekly or monthly mileage, it's on my bike more than it is in my insert favorite shoe brand here. So we can now kind of come clean as an organization too. Well, Chad mentioned the uh, TCR and uh, just for a little bit of of trivia, uh, one of my my first, I would say my first like really expensive, uh, you know, what we call true road bike was the TCR 1R. Uh, I believe it was a, a 98 or 99, a giant TCR1R. And it was one of my, uh, you know, I love that bike. And it was one of those that had the, this is where I started geeking out about, about, about bikes because it had the, you know, it was early on when they started doing, Giants started doing the, the compact road frames that wasn't UCI legal and, and all that stuff. And now we see a lot of other brands doing the exact same thing. So that just kind of shows you a little bit of, of my background in cycling and how I can geek out on, on some of the technology uh, as well so um but speaking of, of technology i mean you guys i uh, saw on the website combined between both you know karen and chad you guys have over 70 years of cycling experience so if you could look into the crystal ball what are some things that you would say and look down and say you know what you would see in the future, whether it's from uh, bike designs, components, because we've seen, you know, electronic components now. We've seen frame materials from gone from, you know, steel to aluminum to carbon fiber. You know, what are the things that you're, you're, you could maybe predict down the road, whether it's equipment or even participation in the sport? Well, I may just add a little bit. Chad's probably going to add a little bit more than me. Um, but uh, I think uh, e-bikes are like going they're they're growing especially on 
coastal. Uh, but I think the South and the middle of the United States, uh, it's going to get bigger um, at some level. I think electronic shifting is going to go down to uh, not just from the higher end bikes, but also trickle down more. Um, gra the gravel scene is huge. Uh, I think that's going to continue to grow. Uh, those are some of the aspects there. Uh, I do also think just from the pandemic, you have a whole new batch of people that never would have even thought about getting a bike, um, but, or even stepping foot in a specialty retail store. Uh, that's one thing in particular that I saw that, you know, was amazing was so many instances when Kmart and Walmart's shelves were empty and they had no bikes people who would have never set foot at uh, bikes plus came in the store and got on that bike and five hundred dollars six hundred dollars was a lot for them because they're planning on 100 200 bucks right they got on that bike and they're like whoa i mean totally you'd see that light bulb go off and they had no idea it could be so much fun and it could ride so well and feel good I thought it felt like my Walmart bike. So anyway, that even if 10% of those people stick with it, which we've seen people get hooked on it during the pandemic, uh, that in the future is just bringing more people into exercise and cycling, I think, as well. So that, that's a little bit of tidbit. Chad may have more technology uh, breakdown on uh, the future as well, though. Well, I mean, I just love seeing, you know, obviously, you know, being in the business for for so long. At, at one point, there was your choice of a road bike or there was a mountain bike. Then you started seeing this hybrid that they came out with. It was a mix of both. Um, now, the accessibility of different types of bikes for different types of riders is what's so exciting. Um, it can get a little confusing and, and, and obviously we're here to, uh, help the customer, uh, really fits with what kind of riding style that they want. Um, but there's not just a single mountain bike anymore. You know, there's, uh, full suspension. Uh, there is, uh, front suspension only. There are trail bikes. There are cross country bikes with road bikes. You have your endurance road bikes. You have your aero road bikes. You have your gravel road bikes, um, with, with hybrids, you have your fitness hybrid, you have your comfort hybrid. So there's so many different options that can really fit. And then as Karen mentioned, moving into e-bikes, I mean, e-bikes, that is just going to open up a world of riding for people that they just didn't even know that they could go see. And what we're seeing a lot of times is they, it just opens it up. So somebody wants to be able to, you know, exercise and go ride uh, and, and they can only go ride for an hour on an e-bike. They can go ride for two hours. They can go from Brookhaven to Buckhead to, you know, uh, Dunwoody, wherever they can, they can spend more time on that bike throughout the Atlanta metro area and see more parks that are in the different towns um, than they would just on a regular bike. So it just really opens things up for a lot of people. So I think that technology of e-bike is going to grow. And as Karen mentioned, uh, you, you know, electronic shifting is coming along and you're starting to see it. We had um, SRAM just came out with a new electronic group um, called Rival. And we finally got a bike yesterday, which 
very well could have been the first rival bike in the state of Tennessee that has been shipped. And uh, of course it was already spoken for, it was built and out the door in the same day because that rider was so excited to get on it. Um, but that, that's bringing the price level down for people to, to get into electronic shifting. And you're starting to see that on the mountain bike side of things. So that's probably where a lot of the, the growth will come in the future is uh, e electronic shifting and um, e-bikes. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, I, I remember hearing about e-bikes, I think, first, I think maybe it was uh, commuter uh, was kind of the purpose of it, right? I mean, I think maybe that's where I first heard about it was more for that, you know, commuter bike um, that you could rent, you know. Um, and I think the idea that someone can maybe – Maybe they can't make that climb, you know, uh, you know, but they would love to, to make that climb because, you know, maybe it's the age, maybe it's the fitness, maybe it's a variety of things, not having time to train, but the able, the ability now to use, you know, an, an e-bike to reach a summit, to go places where they haven't been able to go before, I think just widens the sport, widens the participation. Um, I think that's kind of cool because that's kind of what we want to see, right? I mean, we want to see more people being active in these, uh, you know, in this sport and, and these activities. So that's pretty cool. And, it, and it's just fun. I mean, I've never seen one person on an e-bike that doesn't have a smile on their face when they're riding it. Um, you know, I've had the fortunate of coming to um, uh, Brookhaven twice now in the last couple of months. And, and I was there a couple of weeks ago and I brought an e-bike for uh, the team to ride. And you should have seen Mike's uh, face. He was smiling from ear to ear riding that thing. Well, and I will tell you, and, and D2, you led us into this, and, and I was one who wasn't so sure about e-bikes. I took a very passive, if not quietly resistant stance on it, quite frankly, as we were getting bathed in the giant culture in their lineup and everything that Bikes Plus knew about this. Having been on that bike that Chad just referenced, I think about the number of people we serve in our stores around Run right now who would have more time with people they care about and would like to spend more time with if that equivalent lived in the pedestrian active lifestyle. Meaning if someone didn't have to go faster beyond what they're comfortable and trying and then not even being able to be conversational or the number of people who say, oh man, I want to run with D2 today. I really got to go for it. Or I'd like to run with my spouse and I guess I'm just going to have to back my pace down, you know, 75 seconds every mile. That's not the case with these e-bikes. I think these things are relationship enhancements is what they are. Oh, yeah. We've, we've seen like significant others with different skill levels. And the other one gets the e-bike and you both ride together and you both can have conversations and you can both get the workout you want, uh, which is kind of a neat thing to see. I, I had one. I remember one of my first experiences. I got on a, a mountain e-bike. And it was, I can't remember, Utah, Colorado, California. I can't remember. It was hilly, mountainous. And Ned Oberand, a mountain bike racer, yep. was uh, in the group. And I'm riding with him. And I'm on this e-bike. And I'm going up the hills just as fast. And uh, he was on an e-bike, too. But And I was going flying down these hills and flying up them. But I was riding with Ned Oberand. I was going, woohoo! I felt like I, I felt like a five-year-old on the bike for, like, the first time. It was so much fun. Uh but of course, those were where mountains were, and you could ride with a pro and, and kind of hang with them. So that was fun. Yeah, I hadn't heard the name Ned Overton in a long time. I mean, he was uh, he was a, a U.S. cross-country national champ like several years. Am I correct in that? 
Yes, and he still kicked everybody's butt. There was a competition at the end, a race, and he beat the, these twenty-year-olds uh, and all these fit reps and whatnot. It was it was pretty interesting to see. But yeah, he still had it. He still had it. That would be pretty cool. I mean, that would be the equivalent of going out and saying, "Oh, I kept up with Meb Kliflinski or someone, right?" You know, on the run side, right? Imagine yeah. being able to do that. You can run alongside someone at their pace. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, I want to, I want to do that. (laughs) We need the equivalent on the run and the walk side that, uh, that was a great example too, DT. Imagine keeping up with him. Yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, carbon fiber suit plated shoes are about the closest I think we'll get, but you still got to put in the effort. You're still working hard to, to keep up. So, um, Oh, that's, that's cool. All right. Well, before we close out, I want to hear uh, just from each of you, what is it that you most enjoy about cycling? Or is there a cycling memory, something that, that, that to this day you just kind of remember? We'll start off with Karen. A cycling memory? Yeah. Um, gosh, I've got a lot of them. But uh, just the thrill. I remember when I first got into mountain bike racing and being able to past some of the uh, competitive riders and the guys even, because in, in our area there weren't as many women racing. And the feeling of that and the exhilaration that you feel. Uh, and it's kind of funny because to segue now, I'm not so competitive, but I go out there and ride, and I'm on my mountain bike in the woods alone most of the time, which I enjoy. And it's just that endorphin that you feel and you smell, I don't know, honeysuckle going by. Uh, and, and getting up that hill and going over that board, that thin board, uh, and challenging yourself. And it still feels the same as when I could compete and did really well then. So I still have that feeling. So it happens in different increments in my life over the years, but it's still that same feeling. What about you, Chad? Oh, man. You know, probably uh, most recent is uh, just the relationships that are built out on riding on a bike. Um, that's probably the thing I look the most forward to. I, I, honestly, I'm not one of these guys that just goes and rides by myself on solo rides. Um, I really enjoy uh, the groups and the camaraderie and the relationships that get built. And uh, so, so I'm involved in a group called Ride to Rosemary. And uh, this will be my sixth year doing that. And it's a group of men who ride from Memphis down to Rosemary Beach, Florida every year. So we cover 530 miles over five days uh, in October. And uh, it's a uh, it's a fundraiser for the local cancer center. But uh, over the years, it's been going on now. This will be the 11th year and this is my sixth year doing it. Um, But it's turned into so much more of a group of, uh, of, of, this is a group of men that uh, have built just lasting friendships. And so that's probably my, my most favorite memory right now is being involved in that group and the friendships that are made out of that um, and, and how infectious it is to, to just meet people on a different level while you're out on a ride. Um, and, and we have 65 guys going this year. And, um, you know, we have to do a lot of training throughout the summer and it really keeps us connected. But once we're out on that ride for for five days, it's not about riding your bike. It's about those relationships that you're building. So that just kind of ties into the whole 
um, idea of what we do for a living and building those relationships and getting people out on bikes to enjoy what we enjoy. So what about you, Mike? I mean, back when you were cycling, anything that you, that brought you joy from, from cycling or a memory that you remember? So I don't know if, if this is a memory. Is it okay to say my favorite memory is the 2022 ride to Rosemary on an e-bike that'll allow me to keep up with Chad and listen to those 65 others harass me for holding them up a little bit? Is that a, is that a fair answer? I think maybe we can make that happen. <laughs> you know, but, but seriously, you know, I don't know, D2, I genuinely believe my best memories are now to come. Because when I rode previously, yeah, there's too many years that have gone by for me, but I will perfectly recollect. But this journey that we've taken to get to where we almost are is driven, I believe, at least in part, selfishly, because I want the types of memories that I just heard Karen and Chad talk about. And I don't know that it's going to reduce any of the time I spend running. It's certainly not going to reduce my enthusiasm for it. And yet at the same time, I think there is a possibility, a pairing for me and for so many others that I want memories like that. And I believe they're super achievable. The other thing is in D2, you and I believe we've seen more than ample evidence of this from Bikes Plus. We're going to have Giant on on a different episode. I think you'll see that on full display from them as well. And that is, you know, the pursuit of our potential, our desire to continuously be better and to serve others in even more meaningful ways than we did, you know, whether it be a few minutes ago or a few years ago. There was something that I, I pulled up from an author who I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, who I think is a pretty big thinker, even without ever suggesting he knows retail, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits. And he sent this out on the day that we're taping this broadcast, which is in June 2021. There will never be a perfect time to do something that stretches you. If you were fully ready for it, it wouldn't be growth. We're not going to pretend we're fully ready for this. We're not going to be fully ready for this by the end of July. We won't be fully ready for this by the end of this year. But this is a collective that believes in growth and obviously pursues it not just for ourselves, but for so many others who we feel connected to, our team, our community, those who we want to get to know and be in company with. And I will take all the imperfections that come with this for memories that I believe are going to be absolutely worth sharing in the future. So with that, I dodged your question very effectively and I turn it back to you, but I think it was a great question. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that you, you, you said everything I think that, that need to be said. I mean, I, you know, uh, you know, for me, I think, uh, you know, Chad just reminded me of, of, uh, of something when I was first started mountain biking and to this day, there are probably uh, the group of, 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 of guys that, and, uh, that I rode at that time, we were doing adventure races and we were going out and mountain biking on the weekends and reconning courses and all. They ended up being, uh, I think, my best friends. And we've since have moved away and we're living in different parts of the country. 
but I think at any point we could get back together and, and we pick up like you know like it was yesterday when we were riding together and they're, they're, it's truly a, a you know a friendship a camaraderie uh, and I miss that um, now I pretty much ride by myself uh, a lot of it due to the pandemic but it, you know Chad did remind me that that was probably one of the best memories I have as far as uh, you know riding and, and the friendship that 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 came out from 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 cycling uh, of course I have other memories including a, a horrible one of when i first decided to do my first crit and uh and didn't know anything uh really about uh crit racing and was racing way above my skill level <laughs> but we'll save that for another time <laughs> um thanks uh uh karen and chad for joining us um so um really really appreciate it we are uh excited about this partnership about uh you know the launch that we were about to ready to go on uh with um big people ride and run uh if anyone listening is ever in memphis tennessee or if you're a currently live in memphis and um, in that area check out bikes plus say hello to karen and chad um thank you both for joining us on this podcast and like i said we're really excited about this next chapter really appreciate it uh thank you both and mike as well this will be exciting to to kind of see where we're, where we're going down on this path indeed well, thank, thank you for having us yeah, thank you so yeah. much. It's been an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. And with that, we'll be right back after this short break. Running makes you feel good. Running is healthy and good for you. Running can even be therapeutic, but running doesn't define you. You are not a runner, but running gives you life. At Big Peach Running Company, we get it. That's why we are the number one running store for those that don't call themselves a runner. That's why our guests use terms like friendly, thoughtful, attentive to describe us in reviews. Come see us at any of our seven metro Atlanta area locations or visit us at bigpeachrunningco.com. Welcome back. As someone that has been a cyclist from the time the training wheels came off, I am pumped about this new venture with Bikes Plus and Giant Bicycles. I remember when I first moved to Atlanta around the, uh, you know, kind of at the end of 2000, and Bicycling Magazine had named Atlanta one of the worst cities for cycling. So I was a bit disappointed to hear that having just moved here. But this past March, Atlanta Magazine dedicated a whole issue on cycling and the title of that issue was Atlanta is a bicycling town and it was interesting that that they made that proclamation and the article in the magazine supported that with a lot of different examples from the diverse community and things that are going around the city but there are more bike paths being built like the Atlanta Beltline which we are all aware of and there's also future plans to connect other paths like the Peachtree Creek Greenway and the Silver Comet so cycling has a bright future in Atlanta, but it's like I said, it's not just the infrastructure. There is a diverse community of cyclists, just like there are runners, and in Atlanta, that will truly make this city, you know, bike friendly. The more we get people involved, the more we get people on on two wheels. And I'm personally excited about uh, us being in this bike business, and I can't wait to share with others. I'm sort of kind of cycling geek. I'm not, I'm more about the gear and geeking out about gear and technology and, and frame design than I am about the actual sport and competition and why we'll occasionally, you know, and uh, you know, every year look at the Tour de France. I don't follow it that closely. I don't pro I follow professional cycling, so I'm not that geeked out by it. Um, I'm not very uh, big on the stats and, 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 and know a lot of the terminology when it comes to racing. Uh, but I just love 
bikes as far as recreational, not necessarily for professional or for you know competitive type of uh, endeavors. So for me, it's all about the recreation and, and, and just the pure enjoyment of cycling. So, you know, we're already discussing the future content on the Run ATL podcast. And yes, we do plan on including some cycling content, and we may even rebrand the podcast to reflect the additional content. So stay, stay tuned. Um, we'll let you know. So once again, you know, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. So whether you're on your feet or on wheels, we hope you're getting those miles in. Remember, it's hot out there. Stay hydrated and tune, again, tune in again in two weeks for another episode of the Renee Tail Podcast. Until next time.